0: hello and welcome to that band life i'm jeff young a teacher from carmel indiana and i'm bobby
1: lambert director of bands at wando high school in mount pleasant south carolina that band life a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier healthier more productive and more creative this week we'll be talking to an old friend of ours mr matt black from carmel indiana about someone's attention
0: well he's an old friend but he's not very old He's just wise. I can still say that. He's old <laughs> enough. It's fine. Before we begin, I want to tell you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free. One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and sign up for some of our awesome courses and instructional videos. Uh, in fact, many of them are free right now until the end of May, maybe a little bit into the beginning of the summer, uh, but we encourage you to sign up for those videos and courses uh, sometimes soon you're going to be ordering things like flagpoles and shoes and podiums and megavoxes, and we would love to win your business for that. I know sometimes you just continue to order products from the same people every year, but if you look at our prices, you might change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders. Please give us a chance to win your business.
1: It's exciting to even think that that may be a possibility, Right. Right. You know, I think a month ago, I was like, man, I don't know. And, and with each day, we kind of get some more positive news, um, at least from most states, about, hey, we, we think that, you know, it's going to be modified, it's going to be different, but we think that there's going to be some some performances and some ensemble work that's here. And I'm, I'm really excited about that.
0: Um, I'm just to be safe. Everyone should order like five or six pairs of gloves for each student in their band. That's,
1: that's exactly right. You should have a, for every rehearsal, they should have a pair of gloves, uh, completely, completely sanitized. Hey, well, like I said, we're talking to a dear friend, uh, Mr. Matt Black. I got to meet Matt, uh, back when he was still in college and he ended up student teaching with us at Marian Catholic. Um, just a fantastic educator and somebody who, you know, you, you, meet people who are excited about learning and you meet people who are passionate about learning. And this is certainly, certainly Matt. He kind of, he came to us from Eastern Illinois where he went there for the percussion school, but got to be a student of Barry Hausers while he was there. Currently he's the percussion director at Carmel, Indiana, you know, that little school. Uh, Jeff, have you ever heard of Carmel, Indiana? Where's that? Have you ever seen that school before? They're, I think they're close by. You should go check them out.
0: I bleed blue um, and gold, Bobby. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we should mention that here. Both both of these boys are Carmel Greyhound alums. Uh, go Greyhounds, right?
0: Yep, me in the nice. Dark Ages, and uh, Matt uh, a few years ago.
1: Less dark, yes. He is the ensemble specialist at Blue Knights, and a freelance percussion and soundscape designer. So he, you know, basically, if it's electronic or you can hit it. He probably can help you out with that. So welcome, Matt, to the, to the show. We're really excited to have you here. Uh, Jeff, Jeff and Matt have been talking about what the title of this show is. You know, we said getting someone's attention. And, and I'm, I'm a little bit in the dark about this. So you guys explain to us, myself included, what, what do you mean by this? What are you talking about? Well, Matt and I got
0: together over the phone a couple of weeks ago, and we were just going to have a quick chat about this podcast, and it was, a I think, a two-and-a-half-hour conversation and we'll try to keep it a little more brief than that. But essentially, Matt does a really good job as a lifelong learner. And I think um, if, if you could take one thing from this podcast, it's that um, you've gotta be a lifelong learner. And Matt's always reading books and listening to podcasts. And he and I have a, uh, a lot in common in terms of we geek out on certain things on the podcast and book world. And so we were thinking, you know, what does it look like right now, um, you know, in this day and age and even COVID or non-COVID, how do, how do we get students' attention these days? So we kind of broke this down into um, where our students' attention is and uh, how do we get their attention and how do we keep it and how can we change our teaching to accomplish that? So that's kind of the broad strokes. So Matt, where uh, we talked about this a little bit. Where is their attention right now?
2: First of all, I want to thank you guys. It's, it's an honor being on with two folks that had such a deep impact on my, you know, my journey to get to where I'm at right now. And I'm, I'm just super appreciative and honored to even get to hang with you guys for this little bit. Um, but in terms of where their attention is right now, um, they're kind of like we are, where they've gotten to to spin their focus wherever they want. And they've kind of got to live the freelance life, you know, entrepreneur, Life as students. And so their attention is in a couple different places. It is connecting more digitally. So it is in social media, it is in advertising, it is in uh, content consumption, whether it's YouTube or Instagram um, or TikTok. Um, and their focus is in learning digitally. Um, But that has been kind of turned into a homeschool model. So they're spending less time where they would normally be in classrooms making connections with us. And they're able to knock out those assignments in two hours and then spend the rest of the day however they choose. Um, So I think we're seeing a shift that's happened that has put us as teachers way more in touch with where they want to be focusing their attention. If we can capitalize on that, I think it'll help us moving forward when we come out of all this.
0: Let's kind of break this down a little bit. So obviously social media is what it is and you know it's not a cliche to say that everyone is into social media right now. So if we look at um, your typical TikTok how, how how long is a typical TikTok that somebody's going to watch?
2: So full disclosure I am not a TikTok I'm user. I'm not either. <laughs> um, but the thing that you can think about is platforms now are digestible in different amounts of time. So there's a reason why Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok are all able to exist and YouTube are all able to exist. When we look at YouTube, uh, the average video getting the most views is about nine minutes long. Uh, If you look at Instagram, uh, the typical video is about a minute long, 45 seconds to a minute. Uh, Your Snapchats, your Instagram stories, your TikToks are anywhere between eight seconds and 12 seconds long. So depending on how the student is feeling at any given time, if they want to dive into something that's lengthy and really learn something, they're going to head to YouTube. If they want to check up on their friends and get updated on uh, what clothing style is, is is in right now, they're on Instagram. And if they just want quick little funny, you know, instead of them going to watch um, a comedian now, they're on TikTok going to find and seek out little funny short snippets. And so much in the way that we think in our, our previous days of I watch a TV show for something that's 30 minutes and I watch a movie that's an hour and a half to get this different experience, um, they're thinking in the same ways, just in a more micro way. So they're they're looking for media to consume that's 10 minutes long versus a minute long versus 12 seconds long, which is is an interesting thing to think about when you're a um, marketer because essentially what we 're talking about today is how to be a marketer and the product that we 're selling is education to our students
0: right and and us as adults we think of Netflix as being one of the go to attention grabbers right now but I can tell you for sure that my 20 year old and 18 year old don 't watch Netflix nope they, they haven 't seen the Tiger King they're not interested in something that 's eight episodes that are an hour long you know maybe maybe something's going to come out like uh, that that grabs their attention but they have a uh flat screen TV in their bedrooms and it never gets turned on you know it's always something else either on their phone or on the Xbox one of my sons is into Xbox the other one is not
1: yeah well the thing that's killing me right now is the quibi stuff Have you guys seen no. seen that they're like I've 9 heard about minute it. Yep. they're 9 minute episodes yeah, and and they're they're marketing it as like okay, I've got to I've got to walk on the the treadmill for a little bit. Well, I'll do it for one quibby, or like trying to use that as almost a measurement of time, And, yep. and trying to get people to say, well, I, this is two quibbies worth of time for me. Um, so I think that's that's a whole other level of stuff that is in that nine minutes or less kind of genre.
2: Advertisers, the the old show a commercial during a TV show doesn't work anymore. And so these advertisers are spending big money. I got to tell you, I just joined a band director's coffee group uh, that was started by Chris Yee uh, down in Texas. And I was on this group looking at coffee stuff. And I'll be darned if I wasn't buying a new cold brew maker 10 minutes later. And these advertisers know that. They know that um, word of mouth is now the best tool to market. And the best way to do this word of mouth is through... Uh, a YouTube influencer now instead of, um, just your normal TV ad.
0: So some other things besides screens and such that are grabbing their attention. I know that some, every time I go to Kroger, there's students working, you know, students that I've had in class. So I know there are a lot of students who are working right now. And as, as things, uh, progress through the summer, you're going to see more and more students working, um, you know we say that their attention is on school i would tend to disagree based on <laughs> what i'm seeing from my students is you know they might uh, if something's due at midnight start it at 11:30, 30 um, and not give it any attention really or or trying I, I gave a quiz yesterday and you know clearly laid out what was expected in terms of not looking at other people's or not looking at the internet or their notes or talking to other people and everyone got hundred percent on the quiz which has right. never happened in the history of my class ever. So what are they doing? They're all cheating. So <laughs> it, yep. I, when we say their attention's on school, um, I tend to disagree. I think they're just jumping through hoops to get to the end. If we have to do this long term, um, you know, assessments going to have to change quite a bit. I'm, I'm yep. on a little bit of a rant there, but, um, <laughs> you know, that is a, a place where people would say that students' attentions are right now just not very much. Um, obviously some kids are doing chores around the house for a little bit. They have girlfriends and boyfriends and you know, your typical, typical things that that teenagers worry about. I know, uh, working out, you know, we, Matt, you mentioned the, the term on brand when we were talking about that. Uh, what did you mean by that?
2: Um, on brand is something that these kids are thinking about. Now they're seeing their social media platform as a brand. And they think of themselves as a brand. And a lot of that is because we're in the golden age of entrepreneurs. So if you want to start a company tomorrow, it'll probably cost you nine bucks. And then you create your Squarespace Squarespace account and you create your social media platforms and you're living the American dream. The American dream is, is live and well now. And so when you're looking at social media, you're trying to get the attention of your friends and popularity has shifted from being a thing of the hallways and now it's shifted to being a thing of uh being on social media so you have them following social media influencers um, and if you don't know what i mean by that um, there's a reason why you still hear kim kardashian's name all the time and it's not because she's really talented at anything it's because she has everybody's attention on the internet all the time and the students see that and as they model themselves off of the celebrities that they see they're thinking about, okay, what do I want my brand to be? And if as I look at a band kid, and I look at one of our band kid Instagram accounts, you'll see various photos of them in a band uniform, and they want everybody to know that they're really into band. And then you'll see something else where you'll see a picture of them with their car, and they want to be associated with a certain car. And then they need to be seen with this certain set of friends on social media. And that's where you hear of the crazy people taking 60 selfies in a row, picking out the perfect selfie because they want everybody to see them in a certain light. That's where they start to think of themselves like a brand and they're marketing themselves. It's pretty crazy.
0: It is. We we didn't get the opportunity to see a picture of ourselves every day you know, right. in our different outfits and our different situations when I was growing up. Maybe you did a little bit, but you, know, um, you, know, they, you said they were using the term on brand as if No, I don't wear that because that's not on brand for me. That's a weird, weird thing for me to think about. Absolutely. Bobby, do you see that in your younger kids?
1: Well, especially the YouTube portion of that and that influencer thing, there are the most bizarre and what I think are asinine channels for the preteen set. And my girls could sit and watch six hours and not move. And, and when I watch about six seconds, I'm ready to throw something because it's, you know, it, it is, it's just the most mundane, um, fake a a little bit. Like for example, there's a, a family that it's a mom, a dad, and three kids. And you just like, it's two hours long of just being with them that evening. Like they played Monopoly. Yeah. We watched them play Monopoly and my girl sat and watched it the entire time. Or, or we watch them, they'll, they'll, they went to a hotel, like they're just staying at like a freaking Hampton Inn and it's like, oh, we think it's haunted. And we're going to walk around for 20 minutes in this one little hotel room talking about how it's haunted. It is the most asinine thing ever yet. (laughs) The kids love it. There's another thing where kids will play video games and you'll watch somebody play the video game. Like on Twitch. Yeah. Well, but also YouTube. Like if you just put in. YouTube as well. Yep. Oh, it's all over YouTube. Like any game, put it in and you can sit and watch hours of just someone playing it. And I think it's it's kind of this, you know, that do you remember that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger that was um, called Surrogates? And it was this thing where it opened, the movie opens and everybody's perfect and handsome and strong and all this stuff. And... Uh, they're going through life, and he gets hit, or some something like a person gets hit by a car, and it turns out that was just a robot simulation. The real person was at home, looking scrawny, haggard, and drawn. Like I feel like we're kind of shifting to that surrogate thing. I'd rather watch someone. Feel like the movie Wall-E
0: was based on that same concept.
1: (laughs) Well, it's. I think it's. I'd rather watch someone do it than do it myself. That's a little bit of where I'm. Where I'm getting.
0: Yeah, so this is something that I talked about on another podcast. Um, We were talking, I you know, I talked with my own sons about this, and that is, when are you going to start creating instead of consuming? And I think that's uh, that's something that that's going to be really important um, uh, going into the future. And I think that's a good segue to what we want to talk about next. So now, now that we know where their attention is, how do we get their attention? And by we, I mean the big we, not the three of us, but the we (laughs) as. As educators,
1: I think the way that the way if I were a band director, just listening to this, my first thought is all of this is great for entertainment. Right? Can it become an educational platform as well? And I think the answer to that is probably yes, but there are a lot of caveats that have to be there too. And Matt, you you know more of them than I do for sure.
2: So I want to jump in actually on something that you were just talking about, which is is gamers so i'm gonna i'm gonna dig a little deeper on the idea that they'd rather watch than do i think that part of that too is a lot of these guys are watching professional gamers and when we want to think about like being a musician uh how do you improve yourself well if i want to be a marching person i go and i watch the drum course and then i emulate what i see a lot of these guys are using these platforms to learn and while we might see them as watching Uh, video gamers as just consuming media. It's also because as they watch these pro gamers and they're playing you know, a first-person shooter, they find a corner that they can hide in that nobody else knows about. Or they find a shortcut in Mario Kart that none of their friends know about, and then they go play and they beat all their friends. Uh, The other side of that, too, is as they're consuming that, eSports, the future of eSports is crazy. So these kids are watching video games in the same way that our generation watches football and there are big arenas being made in Dallas, Texas, and people are, are watching those things just like there are any other sports. So I think that piggybacks, that, the idea of the education thing piggybacks to us. Um, and to take that a step further, if you know anything about flipped classrooms, I talked to Jeff a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, I think what you're seeing is a flipped classroom model where the students have the pressure taken away i know for me i was telling jeff about this i felt stupid until i was 25 years old and i felt stupid because class wasn't or school wasn't designed for me i am not a book smart kid i'm a kinesthetic learner i know that about myself and whenever i was working at marion you know one of the things that greg bim does such a good job is he gives us laboratory time where we can explore and learn on our own. And whenever I started doing that and I started watching YouTube videos and started diving into consuming education in a different way, I was like, I'm not stupid. School just wasn't designed for me. And when that that opened up, the floodgates opened up. I'll take that a step further. You know, Jeff's talking about I love reading books. I hate reading books. I like listening to books on Audible, and that was a game changer too. If I sit down and I try and read a book, I'll get through three pages and I'll walk off not remembering what I read. But if I'm on a drive and I put on an audiobook, I can crank out two books a week, it's crazy. And so I think what what we're able to capitalize, going back to that flipped classroom idea, if you don't know what a flipped classroom is, the idea is that you do the homework in class and the lecturing is learned at home. And what the concept is, is you, you video your lessons or you video what you want the students to learn. And when they're learning that at home, they're able to pause, they're able to rewind, they're able to go through the digestion of information at their own pace. And then whenever it comes time for them to do the actual learning or the, the actual work, the homework they're doing it in your class and so they can ask you questions as they run into problems it's kind of reverse engineering all this and i think that i'm not sure but i think that's why students are so driven to consuming media via youtube instead of via lecture these days
1: so i'm i'm a band director who's been teaching for 20 years how do i how do i kind of start to approach this like what like for, for me, I would kind of think it's go and watch some of these things. Like there are some really great YouTube channels that are out there. I've, I found one from folding clothes to working on my yard. There, yeah. There's a YouTube channel for just about everything. And I would say, you know, at one time YouTube was getting a little questionable with some of the content, but I think they've really locked that down now. And and so some people are, were got to a place where they were afraid to watch YouTube in their classroom. But I, I think now even, you know, you don't have the kids there watching anyway, but like, I think teachers need to start by just going to some of those YouTube channels and finding like, how do people teach stuff through YouTube?
2: Yeah. I think one of the things that's really interesting about YouTube is, um, when you think about what goes into a YouTube video, it's 10 minutes long, but it's about seven hours of work of someone creating that 10 minutes of information. And so when the students are digesting that, it's been crafted and it's been, the edges have all been sanded away. And so as I was looking at it, I use it all the time. And I was, I was considering new ideas like, how can I teach crash cymbals to my students? And the brands all want you to buy their cymbals. So what do they do? They bring in Mike Burr, the percussion director from Eastern, or from Eastern, from Eastman, uh, to teach you how to play a crash symbol. And it's like, okay, who's going to do a better job teaching crash symbols, me or the percussion director from Eastman. All right, I'm going to show my kids this 10 minute video, and then I'm going to reverse engineer it in my classroom. And you multiply that times other, other, all the other instruments in your classroom. Here's how it works. When you want to teach, uh, an instrument set up to a student, You give them a video inside of whatever online portal you use with them, whether it's Canvas or it's Slack or whatever you use to communicate with your kids. And whenever they get home that night, instead of pulling out their method book and trying to read page one through three, um, they can watch the principal clarinet player from the CSO do it and follow exactly what they saw. And then they can go back and rewind and fast forward. And that's where we start to really see the power that this thing has,
0: right? So we're trying to meet our students where they are with content that is at a really high level that we don't actually have to all the time produce ourselves.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the the, the concept that um, every wonderful solo. I was talking to a percussion uh, teacher that I work with about this. Uh, they were talking about you know how do I get views on the internet? How do I get people to pay attention to me? And I said. Every single amazing marimba solo ever has been recorded by someone that's better than you already. So uh, scratch that off the list. There's no point in you trying to just record a solo. The, the whole idea of if you build it, they will come is completely wrong. So now you have to get creative and you have to create something that grabs their attention. Uh, or you just use material that's already there knowing that there's a bunch of resources and you just saved yourself a day's worth of work having to put it together yourself.
1: Yeah. We did a, a watch party. I, I stole this from, excuse me, I stole this from some of the marching or some of the college band directors because they couldn't do anything with their ensembles. They were doing these watch parties. And so I've stolen that. And the first one we got together was just a outstanding soloists that I had collected. And I tried to really look at quality of video and quality of performance. And, you know, when you start to narrow those ranges, you find some incredibly fine players with great video, with great background, and the kids were just as enthralled by that as if we were live. You know, when you take kids to a live performance, that's really engaging, but... The next best thing is making the the quality of the video super high. I was really happy with how many of them engaged in conversation about those soloists and how that worked out. So um, there is plenty, and I just made a Google doc that had, and just linked everything to hear the flute solos, hear the clarinet solos, really super easy kind of stuff. I think that's a great way for somebody who's just getting their feet wet in online learning, to kind of create here, you know, for my flute section, here are some great flute soloists that I would love for you to listen to and process.
0: And then in terms of like how we get that to them, obviously we have learning management systems that help as well, but you know, Bobby, you and I joke all the time at the end of our podcasts about how we don't, like, we don't do Snapchat and you know, um, Matt said at the beginning here, he doesn't do TikTok, but The reality is instead of maybe like making fun of those the way that we do is we need to get on them at least enough to know how our students are consuming that content and maybe we can tailor the the exact stuff we want them to see and hear and do in a way that they're actually consuming.
2: Absolutely. And Jeff, I told you about two stories that made me a believer in Instagram. Uh, The first of which, I had shot a video of Carmel's drum line and I posted it on my Instagram, which I don't, I hadn't at the time really paid much atten- attention to. And it got about 300 views in 24 hours and you know, it, it was what it was. Well, John Mapes, who is the percussion director at Chino Hills out in California, uh, we use his drumsticks. And so he reached out to me and said, Hey man, do you have any videos from Carmel? I'd love to post something on my social media. And so I sent him the same exact video. And he posted it on his page, and it had 35,000 views in 24 hours. <laughs> and I was like, okay, he has something figured out that I don't. And he has about 11,000 followers on his page. And so his reach just to students and educators is, is huge, and it's amazing. The second thing that happened um, as I started to get more into the social media thing I recorded myself playing. I I had written a new exercise for Carmel's drumline. It's just a double beat exercise. And I played it with an electronic track on my Instagram and I posted it. And lo and behold, I showed up the next day and all of my students had learned it. And that was a goosebumps moment. That was a light bulb moment where I realized, oh my gosh, my students are on Instagram. I just went to my students I had this whole thing wrong the whole time. I shouldn't expect my students to come to where I'm at. I should go to where they're at. And I need to keep cultivating this and dive in a little bit further. It's pretty amazing.
0: And that goes against pretty much everything that we as adults have been modeled or other people have modeled for us over the last generations. Because it used to be cool to just say, no, I'm an adult. I don't do that. Right. Or you're going to come to where I'm at.
1: Well, you know, the I I can hear band directors bantering right now saying, "Well, <laughs> what about what about the social like for example, I do remember when Facebook started getting big. And there like that was sort of your only choice at the time, and schools came out very intensely about you cannot friend you cannot accept friend requests from current students. Like at Marion, we had this big joke that at our graduation ceremony, Greg and I would sit there and the seniors would be, you know, in the block of seniors, you know, with their friends and our phones would go nuts being friended by the kids because once they walked across the stage, they could friend request us. Yep. Are there any
0: combat that by having a separate account that's only school related and make sure that it's always just communication and not friendly banter?
1: Yeah. Right on. So like, that's probably, and that's, that's what I think many directors would be asking, like, how, how do we do this? And I think Jeff's, Jeff's point is right on. That's one of the ways that you do it. It's uh, the Wando band Instagram, as opposed to the Bobby Lambert at Wando band Instagram. Are there other things that we should be looking at? um, Well, I think we
0: could easily, and I think Matt would agree. We could easily choose the content, but have our section leaders disseminate that content.
2: Yeah. So what I've done, um, so on on your Facebook, an option that you have is to make things public. And that means that anybody that goes to your page can view what you're saying. And the thing that's interesting about Facebook is when you add a friend, it kind of unlocks all of your information to them. But if you leave everything public, your students can come and visit your Facebook without you having to Uh, without them having to give up kind of that personal page to you. And so that helps. The thing that's also big with Instagram is that's kind of how Instagram works anyways. You post to your profile and there isn't that I have to connect to you to unlock everything. And so that really has helped me in the past. Um, I am of the mentality and call me old fashioned, but I am not going to post anything on any social media platform or anywhere on the internet that I wouldn't be comfortable with any parent sitting right next to me or any administrator sitting right next to me viewing. And so the idea that things are going to be public, I'm not going to post anything personal. I don't want anybody reading anyway. And so that helped. that's helped me a lot. And I don't still to this day add students on Facebook. I also don't add them on Instagram. I keep up with them. Um, another option on Facebook is you can subscribe to someone without befriending them. And what that does is that adds them into your feed so you see when updates happen from them, but it doesn't unlock that, that, that weird, you know, are they messaging the teacher or are they not? I keep all messages exclusive to email still just so I have a paper trail that my administrators can see.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely no direct messaging in those apps between teacher, even if it's like a young staff member.
1: Yeah. I can tell you one of the things that we've actually looked at now is, is having an Instagram account, but having it so that there are about three or four of us, like for, for Wando bands, there are about three or four of us that can go in and see and do. And that that's, that's a little bit, I mean, you could still say there's, you could get rid of stuff or whatever, but uh, that's at least one of the ways we've, we've tried to get to a place where um, it's safe for everybody, but it's still very viable. Because, we, you know, honestly, this, we're only about a month into this Instagram world, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. The kids see it and that we can get more information to them quickly uh, than almost any other platform.
2: You know who's really good at this is Barry Hauser. Uh, Barry Hauser connects with all of the MI over Snapchat. I still get Snapchats from him about University of Illinois stuff. And you want to talk about marketing and branding. That guy is fantastic at that. If you check out the University of Illinois stuff, all the stuff he does with connecting with seniors that are graduating and creating flyers. And I asked him one day, I said, "You know, who do you have doing that stuff for you? And he looked at me funny and he was like, that's all me, man. I've learned all the Adobe stuff begrudgingly whether I wanted to or not, and I've just kind of been muscling it out. It's like, okay, well, if that guy thinks that it's worthwhile with his 400 students, then I should probably be taking the time to do this.
0: Barry, we're coming after you. You've been on our list. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> talking
2: about that for a while. So. Oh, man, he's a 10. That guy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Every time, you know, and to be honest with you, I've not gotten to talk to him. Intensely, but every time I have, I've been like, "Ah, that's why. That's why he is who he is." Like I just walk away, like, "Okay, he's the deal. I got it. Yeah, I understand." Yeah. So, so Matt, we've we've talked about let let's pretend that I I'm coming to this saying I've used the Facebook before. <laughs> now, what adding do the I word do? "the" in front of it? That's correct. Yes, that's exactly right. If if I were Ray Lambert, my dad, right now, he would say I've used the what, what is that book on face Fa- Facebook? I've used the Facebook before. <laughs> what what's what are some ways that we can get into this and find find our own niche of how much we want to dive into this? Because the truth is, everybody, whether we like it or not, there's going to be some form of digital learning in our future. And I think Absolutely. to ignore that, I think to ignore that would be really foolish, especially right now. And the kids, you know, while they may not love it right now, it's mainly because our content's been poorly marketed and assembled. Uh, just to be honest, I know mine is, uh, you know, yeah. I'm sitting there talking to the kids on a screen for a while. They're not going to love that. So right. let's go back to, I, I want to get into this. I want to know more about it. What's step one.
2: So this is interesting. Um, in our quarantine time, I've been taking private lessons, and I've been taking three private lessons a week. Um, One has been on drum set, one has been on jazz piano, and one has been on social media. And I know that sounds funny.
0: I didn't even know you could do that.
2: I'm taking social media lessons with a guy named Amir Usman out of Los Angeles, and he's a former Blue Devils quad drummer who is a tour manager for a couple people, big electronic outs, acts out in uh, California. And you, you go to his page, his, his drum set page, and it doesn't strike you. And Jeff, I sent you this profile. It doesn't strike you immediately uh, as being special, but then you start to realize some of the psychological stuff that he understands that we don't in terms of, when students are, are, are scrolling through their feed, what makes them stop and click on something? Well, black and white videos uh, only get 10% of the views as a video that isn't black and white. Well, holy cow, all right, my videos aren't gonna be black and white. It's little stupid stuff like that that get our students to click through and watch the video. Um, and my brain started working this way whenever i read two different books that i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about right now one is austin cleon's book show your work he's written other books that you might have heard of like steal like an artist and the idea is that in today's age if you don't post your work on the internet it doesn't exist there has to be some digital documented space where your work is you know kind of posted there's a couple easy ideas here to follow, and one of which is um, your filter for quality will always be higher than your ability to produce uh, work. And what that means is if I am a player, for instance, listening to a drum corps or a marching band, my ability to hear dirt or, or, or problems in that show is always going to be higher than my ability to get my own students to play that well. And the same goes for you making videos. Your eye for quality uh, content will always be higher than your ability to create content. So you have to be okay with that and just start putting stuff out. The next thing, there's three pages in this book. And as you turn the pages, on page one, it's one body of work and he just has an X on it. And then on the next page, it's a month of work and you see what 30 Xs look like. And then you turn the page again and it's, 365 days of work and you see 365 x's on that page and you're like holy smokes okay that's what an entire year of just posting one time a day looks like that's amazing so you take that idea and he's, he comes up with the idea of what if the next time you got hired for a job it wasn't because you submitted an application. And you went through their interview process, but it was because that employer follows your blog. That employer sought you out because you have an online following. And that was striking to me. Um, so that's the first book. And you can go down that rabbit hole. It's real cheap. That book's like $7 on Amazon, and it's the best read that I've done in 10 years, honestly. Um, the second book is called Purple Cow. It's by Seth Godin. He's a big, one of these, you know, (laughs) self-help business, you know, he's the guy that's talking to Google and Microsoft out in Silicon Valley. Um, And here's the concept of Purple Cow. It's a marketing book. Um, But the idea is, um, if you'd never seen a cow before, when you think really hard about what a cow is, it's a really weird animal. You're driving down the road in Iowa And you see this giant black and white spotted beast with giant udders. And it's like, that is the strangest thing I've ever seen. And you stop and then you would go and you would tell all your friends about it. Like, I saw this crazy thing on the side of the road, but you've seen hundreds of cows. So you don't care. You drive by a cow and it doesn't even register in your brain anymore. But if you were driving down the road and you saw a purple cow that would make you stop and you get out of your car and you look at this thing and you take pictures and then you go tell all your friends unless well you would see that but then if you had driven down the road later and you saw another purple cow you'd be like "Uh, I've seen that before and that's the idea of all content from here out the idea is we're trying to create purple cows we're trying to create something that is unique that people have never seen before That is exciting and engaging, and the whole idea of the book is we want to be remarkable. And remarkable doesn't mean what you think it does. Remarkable means that someone is going to remark to someone else what you've created. And so whenever you create something, one student sees it, and I guarantee this happened with this double beat video that I made. I guarantee I I posted this video. One student saw it, started drumming it and sent a video of themselves drumming it to their friend and then it spread. And that's what this idea, you know, this cliche joke of going viral. That's what this whole thing is built around. It's it's this idea that when we make something, it's so engaging that people tell other people and then it spreads virally. And so that book just to tell one more story it's the idea of of who do you go after? Do you go after the mass market when you're trying to create a new product? Or do you go after the niche? Well, let me use Tylenol as an example. The dumbest thing you could do in the pharmaceutical industry right now would be to try and come out with a new aspirin. Everybody's going to go into the grocery store and they're going to buy Tylenol or Advil because that's what they've been using forever. Instead of coming out with the new Tylenol or Advil on the shelves, you're going to create something that's niche that is going to trickle down. So you create something that is unique, that's gonna get a cult following of people that are gonna you know, be obsessed with it and love it, and then it's gonna trickle down to the masses. So when we think about that in terms of creating videos, that's why you see people that are on YouTube producing music like Jacob Collier. You know, Jacob Collier is not writing the music, and if you don't know who Jacob Collier is, you should check him out on YouTube right now. He is not making music that you would hear on the radio. He's writing music for uh, the niche real musician. It's, it's very heady 15th chords and you know big acoustic, you know, hundreds of instruments in one track. And then that spreads to the really nerdy musicians. And then the really nerdy musicians get their other friends into it. And before you know it, Jacob Collier's wearing, winning four Grammys in a night. You look at another example, perfect example, is Snarky Puppy. Snarky Puppy is not normal radio music, but every single one of us know exactly who they are, and it's because they went after that niche market, and then we all told all of our friends about it after we heard it. And that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, well, that's a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Easier said than done, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but, you, you know, as you've said, you know, just, just starting to, I think one of the key things that you said right there that was really important is you will, you will never be thrilled with anything that you post. Like nope. I, I've, I've Especially seen that. Me. Yeah. I've, we've, we've all gone through that. And I mean, Jeff, I remember it used to make him so angry that our, the first, uh, dynamic marching video, Uh, was the biggest seller every year. And he was like, this is terrible. It's awful, everybody. Why would you still? And, uh, you know, it was until he remade that video, I thought Jeff was going to lose his mind because every time that was the top seller, he was just so furious. But But people are looking, you know, I guess it's good. In one way, the presentation doesn't matter if the quality is there. The truth is, is the quality does matter. It really does. And the better the quality, the easier it is going to be to get out there. But I, th- the- I do
0: think there, there is a minimum level of quality yes. that people yeah, will expect these days. And, you know, a classic example is when, you know, you sent me a video that you were going to give to your drum majors oh boy. that you filmed in go. your bedroom. And I was like, Here you we can't go. do that. This is just weird. <laughs> Here we right? go, everybody. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, if you've watched um, some good news with John Krasinski on YouTube. Yes. Yep. You know, it's, he's filming that on two iPhones. Yeah. He doesn't have even fancy lighting and microphones. I think he's got like an eighty dollar ring light or something like that. It it's a it meets the minimum standard of quality that people expect these days. But he's not killing himself financially or time-wise with all sorts of complex situations. You know, and I find myself all the time lighting things just perfectly for a Zoom call, and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs>
2: Well, you I do have some... always look
1: magnificent, Jeff. <laughs>
2: Thanks, yes, Bobby. undoubtedly. Well, I have some. I have some pro tips, some secrets with that sort of thing. Um, good audio. Yeah, uh, let me put it this way: in terms of that quality, you can get away with having not so wonderful video as long as you have good audio. But you can't do it the other way or uh, the other Truth. way around. You can't have the best video in the world with terrible audio quality so invest in a cheap microphone just to upgrade the sound from your iphone um, one that i recommend is the Shure mv88 it's about 200 and it plugs right into the bottom of your iphone and it just really increases the quality um, past that um if you're, if you're going for higher quality, the light thing that Jeff Young just mentioned, you can buy yourself a ring light. Or what I've done is you can buy an LED light that is a work light from Lowe's. And it, what you're looking for, and this is gonna get a little nerdy, um, but you want something that ha- is daytime light. It's gonna say something like 5,500 Kelvin or 6,000 Kelvin. All that you need to know is the lower the number, the more yellow the light. The higher the number, the more blue the light. Light outside is blue. From the sun is blue. And that's the most natural on your skin. So if you get a daytime light and you get some tissue paper off of Amazon and put it over the light, you've got a $60 professional light immediately. So there's just a couple little tricks that you can get off the ground running. It doesn't take more than that, honestly.
1: And I think teachers would be more comfortable. If the quality looked good, if it sounded good, I think I I know that I feel better. Well, I'll tell you, I've I've started several Zoom meetings and I've had to move because I just look like I was in the dark because yeah. of the way the lighting works. So I I completely get it. I, I think that's a big deal. Matt, is there anything that we can't teach digitally? Like like I, I think the first thing I would say is, you know, abilities and skills. I know you you mentioned that before when we were when you guys were talking that, you know, you, you can't, how would you? Well, let's say it. How would you teach a skill? You mentioned earlier about uh, doing the, the stuff online and sending it out. Let's say we want to do something a little bit more complicated. I'm a band director and I want to try and teach the kids the C major scale. How could I do that online?
2: So there's much more modeling involved i think over the internet as i've been doing zoom meetings with ensembles i would say ensemble playing is the thing that you can't do which is yeah. invaluable you, you know it, it it's really hard to try and play ensemble especially as we're, we're we're looking at you know drumline stuff it's a little easier to get away with winds playing ensemble over the internet cuz you're playing long tones But when you're trying to line up 16th notes with percussionists, it's just not possible. And the other thing is, your students are listening to one another through a microphone and they've got a crappy mic on their end. So you just can't substitute that. Um, In terms of teaching them a specific skill set, that's what we're doing right now. And that's where we're we're putting all of our eggs in that basket. So Jeff has done a really good job of putting materials together on Canvas to teach skill sets. Um, that way, whenever they come to work with us, they're going to be balls of clay that we can work with. They're going to have all the skill sets down on their end, and we can teach them how to do that with one another ensemble.
0: So we, we've we talked a little bit. I'm going to kind of keep things rolling so we don't talk for two hours, but we've talked a little bit about where their attention is, how do we get their attention, um, how do we actually keep their attention? Because um, I know you mentioned that you you put out Uh, That video and it got a lot of views. You also mentioned that you did something similar a week later and it got half the views Yes, (laughs) so a week later and it got half as many of that.
2: Absolutely. So here's what's interesting Um, I created some Spotify playlists and you can check them out yourself if you'd like um, Just on Matthew black media if you search that on Spotify, it'll show up and what I what I had done is I created a playlist that was uh, chronological by tempo. And so the first track is 80 beats a minute. The next one's 90. The next one's 100. Next one's 110. Next one's 120, all the way up to 200. And my idea was I want to get my students playing with real music instead of just a metronome uh, to help them develop feel, to help them to play a little more ensemble, especially during this time. And so I created this and I decided, you know what, I'm going to share this with everybody, just not just my students. And so I posted it and everybody freaked out. It was like, this is brilliant. And then before I knew it, people I hadn't even thought of using it, dance companies are using it because now they have something that's BPM mapped um, across the platform. And so it got hundreds of shares and it just exploded. And then I posted it and I said, you know what, I'm going to make this a monthly thing because, you know, we're our kids are going to get sick of this after a month. So I'll I'll be back and I'll post a new one of these each month. And so the next month I posted it and it got, you know, 30 likes or so and you know, four or five shares. And it was like, okay. And then the next time I posted it, the next month I posted it, it got four likes and no shares
0: so disheartening Mm -hmm. and it's like
2: okay well there it is and that that just goes to show it wasn't a purple cow anymore everybody had already seen it before and so as people are scrolling there is huge value when you do something new for the first time you know that's the reason why whenever you post on your Facebook it's like new job I'm moving to blah 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 800 likes and then you know you post you know a picture of your dog and it's like seven likes like I've seen a hundred photos of a dog today but I haven't seen any of my friends get a new job today okay cool and just apply that to everything so how do you keep their attention well you've got to constantly be adapting to the algorithm and the algorithm is the big mean computer thing that decides what gets viewed and that's something that's important for everybody to note as well when you post something on Facebook or Instagram What it does is it releases your post to about 10% of your viewers. And those social media platforms watch how the viewers interact with that. So if I'm on Instagram or I'm on Facebook and I'm scrolling through my feed and I stop on something and I look at it for four seconds, Facebook and Instagram say, oh, okay, this is an engaging post. But if I keep scrolling, it's gonna stop sharing it to my people. So if you get something that people are commenting on and people are liking, then it releases it to more of your friends and more of your fans. And so before you know it, you've got 7,000 people have seen your video. And so if you post the same thing multiple times, when people scroll through the feed and they see, it's like, I've seen this before. It's gonna stop dead in its tracks and it's not gonna go to more people. So how do you get, you know how do we keep their attention? You've gotta be putting out new ideas, new content, things that are different that spike their uh, curiosity. You've gotta make your students curious. And so um, I'll give you a couple examples of things that I've done. Um, I recently shaved off my quarantine hair. And I was like, I gotta be able to do something like this that's gonna be funny and that's gonna draw attention and make people kind of dig in. And so Mike McIntosh, the former percussion director at Carmel, in a WGI show that was about the military at Gateway uh, did a head shave in the show at finals. And it was this amazing, crazy thing. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to play some of his music while my wife shaves my head. And I did. And lo and behold, it blew up. And a bunch of my students learned that music and they shaved their head, which is like, oh, I didn't intend that. But it's kind of awesome. It's it's kind of really cool. So... I did this thing where I wanted people to drum with me. And I'll give you two examples. I wanted to do a drum along via Facebook. And I wanted to do a Facebook live stream and I wanted people to come. There's hundreds of people doing that right now. So, how am I going to make myself stick out? Well, I had some Rugrats socks sitting in my drawer that have been unworn since I got them as a joke in a gag gift exchange years ago. And so, I just posted a photo of those socks on a practice pad and I said drumming in funny socks. And the idea is we're all at home right now and we've all got funny pairs of socks. Let's drum in our PJs in funny socks. Everybody come and join me and it blew up. And before you know it, I've got, you know, 600 people logging in to come and drum with me. It's that sort of thing where you just put that little extra bit of effort of how can I get their attention with something that they haven't seen all day? And sometimes you you know it's like being creative with anything else. Sometimes you just don't have ideas, and that's okay. But sometimes something will come to you. And once you start thinking in those terms, it's like being any type, It's like being a photographer, Jeff. It's like um, if you're not looking for shots when you go to shoot, nothing pops out at you. But as soon as you start seeing the shot, as soon as you start being in a public space and you start looking for the shot it starts popping out everywhere. It's like the matrix gets uncovered. it's the Mm -hmm. same thing when you're creating this content, as soon as you start to get a couple ideas, everything starts to unfold. And another idea with that too is go follow other social media people that are doing what you do. So a lot of my ideas come from other Instagrammers that are percussionists. I'm a really fantastic percussionist. His name is Rob Knopper, and he is the one of the percussionists with the New York Met and he shares instructional videos all the time that are really really engaging and so i'll take some ideas that he did and i'll repackage it as my own and then i'll post it on the internet how many times has how many times have the rubank books been repackaged as somebody else's method book today's version of that is you see somebody else post something on social media you put your own spin on it and you make your own video there's no shame in that at all
0: right so Matt and I kind of came up with a list of things, um, and this is going to sound listical like, but you know, um, these are some some just quick ideas on how to keep their attention. So um, obviously, we still have grades, yes. we still have attendance, we still have things that you know other parts of the internet don't have uh, that our students need. So that's one thing. Um, another thing that, that we've learned from social media is that a loyal fan base that trusts you is really important. And in the case of you know, education, um, that loyal fan base that trusts you comes from the way that you interact with your students, the way you treat them, um, and that sort of thing. And then, obviously, what Matt was just talking about is on our list. That's new, novel content and information um, that's kind of cool. We, we want groupthink to come our way, right? We want. I know that we've all had classes where um, I had one uh, in recent years where the class turned against me. And it was only 16 kids it was a really small class, but that particular class, I never got them back. Uh, there was, the group think was we are not on the same team. Um, and that was really frustrating. Um, another thing, um, how to keep attention. We talk about, um, how we follow who we want to be like. And yeah. so we want, we want our students following the great musicians and the great drum corps and the great, you know, all of these things that we want them to be like, um, The other thing is, um, we, we follow who our friends want to be like, that's a Matt quote that I wrote down that I thought was, uh, I've never heard that before, but it's certainly true of this generation is even if you don't like cars, if all the cool kids like cars, you better be following all those people. Yep. And then, um, you know, we talked about this, Matt, is that like, if you look at Will Smith or The Rock or Ninja or Phineas, there there are people on the internet right now that they're, they're killing it in social media across all platforms. And there's some commonalities that we can learn from. If you just look, go to where those influences are and influencers are and study what is engaging about their content and then make it work for what we do.
2: Yeah. And I got one, one catch all for all of that, keeping their attention. The biggest one is earning their trust. And there's, there's two little tips that I'm going to give you. One is don't post pictures of your dog or your food. Nobody cares. Now, if it's your personal page and you're on your own Facebook, then sure. But nobody cares about what you had for lunch. That's the first one. Um, The next one is don't be human spam. And that's a hard one because you're trying to brand yourself and, you know, we talked about on brand earlier and you are going to feel like you're kind of spammy, but you want to make sure that whenever you're, you're adding value or you're giving value to your followers, that you're not just plugging products towards them. You're actually giving them value that they wouldn't have gotten if they hadn't been to your, to your page.
1: Wow. That's a really cool way of thinking
0: about that. Yeah, totally. Yep. Bobby, any thoughts on
1: how we could change our teaching to accomplish some of this? I think this is gonna this is gonna be a real challenge. There there are a number of teachers that are really stuck in um, it's gotta be face to face, it's gotta be the way that I learned ban, it's gotta be those kinds of things. And I, I'm fearful for them um, moving forward into these next six months because I, I'm afraid that we're at a, a crossroads where we've got to adapt or fade away. Uh, that sounds really harsh and I don't mean it to be. It's just, I think the, the point I would want to make is that this is easy enough. Now we all have the tools. If you have an iPhone, you can at least get started with some of this and it's going to take you outside your comfort zone quite a bit, which is, isn't that exactly what we ask the kids to do each and every semester to step outside their comfort zone, either with leadership or with performance or with responsibility and now we're just we're having to take a real big dose of our own medicine. I think the the one thing I would say and I'm glad I heard Matt say this earlier, I don't think any of us are saying that this replaces all of artistic expression no. or artistic education by any stretch of the imagination. Face to face music making is absolutely still the best. But so that we can have still the quality of that we've got to do this electronically and digitally, uh, to make sure that we're continuing to teach those things. So uh, like for me, my, my personal challenge, you know, Jeff, we talked at the end about this, about making, you know, doing some homework. Um, I actually did a video with the kids, uh, last Friday actually was working with the Carmel drum majors on, on zoom. And when I got, I actually went over to the band room to do it. I just needed a little bit of space and it was so wild being in the band room. And so I took a video (laughs) of just being in the band room and I, I sent it out to the kids and I got so much great feedback from that. They, they wanted to be there. So maybe the last part of that, that I would say is think about what the kids want and need and try to meet them in those places. How can I get that? No kid wants to be a bad player. Now they may be a little bit lazy. Sometimes they may be this, that, or the other, but they don't want to be a bad player. So, but they've got to find the right way to find how to be a great player. And that can be a lot of different ways. So there, there's a thing I read on here about differentiated instruction. This is about as differentiated as it can get. Right. And yep. So it it's a really cool challenge of thinking about how this can go. And I hope, I hope peers and colleagues will take a look at this and say, all right, how can I be on the f- – uh, well, see, we're no longer on the front edge of it. The kids are about – three years ahead of us. yeah. But how can we at least get into that flow again and and meet them where they are? And that's sort of our, that would be my final word on it. We're supposed to meet kids where they are. This is where they are right now. And I and don't want
0: anybody to come away from this podcast thinking that the three of us are saying you must change all of your teaching to no. digital and, and social media marketing. What What we're saying is that we have to add this into the mix of what we're doing. We can't just go back to the way we were doing things because the way we were doing things maybe only worked in our own heads. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, because of what I was saying earlier, the modeling that we've been exposed to as teachers, as adults growing up, um, you know, things change, change and things changing was always seen as uh, scary and bad. Yeah. Um, You know,
2: Well, the last bit that I'll add is um, we're so used to having our students for two and three hours at an afternoon rehearsal, or we're so used to having them for a full 50-minute class period. In this time that they're at home, the hardest thing that I've found is helping them feel short successes because they're not in the same room with their friends able to play that exercise for the first time coming out with a simple instagram video that's only a minute long that they can learn one skill set whether it's a c major scale or whatever it is if you can make them feel a short success in a minute or less you're gonna gain that kid at a level you couldn't have possibly achieved when you were trying to connect with them all Um, the last bit that i'll add is we started doing video assignments whenever i was still at Marian catholic and one of the things that you miss out on in that ensemble setting is that one-on-one connection that you see with the students. The place that we don't get to see our students play is when they're practicing on their own. And this has opened up a unique opportunity for us to have our students shoot video and kind of get to peek behind the curtain at how they're practicing. And so you give them a video assignment and you get to hear some problems in your band that you might not have known that your band had. Oh wow, we struggle with tuning Um, F in my saxophones worse than I realized that we did and I thought we were good on that when I listened to it in the full band I realized oh it's just these two students and once I get them fixed we're all good you would have never known that if you were sitting in a room of a hundred people at the same time it's a great opportunity to give your students one-on-one attention and they're going to feel it too they're going to feel more cared for on their end as well which I'm always looking for those opportunities
0: for sure well, Matt, it's been a pleasure talking with you and hopefully we get to do this again on a different topic of your choosing because <laughs> you're, you're a smart guy. You've got a lot of fun things uh, to add to this conversation. And before we wrap up, Bobby, I have a few things I would like our audience to do. Uh, obviously, we want you to listen. So subscribe on your favorite podcasting host and you know, go on our socials and give us a little bit of social love and sharing. Yeah, I was going to um,
1: say, I would love it if people go on to our uh uh, pages and stuff and say, hey, that didn't suck. Uh, this was pretty good. <laughs> Give us a five-star rating. You know, yeah. just, and it's also so so other people can find us. You know, the way the Apple or the iTunes thing works is unless you have enough ratings or whatever in the search, you don't come up very well. So, like I to, know
0: there's 20,000 band directors oh, out there Who would yeah. benefit from this conversation We average four to 500 an episode So we share that love to those other people And uh, it, you know A rising tide raises all the boats As Why they not? say Absolutely. So feel free to email us uh, You guys know our emails by now And uh, just let us know what you would like to hear from us On That Band Life So thanks for listening Until next time I'm Jeff Young And I'm Bobby Lambert, And this is That Band Life